Hi, welcome to Connecting the Dots, the podcast where we share our stories from the battlefield of consulting. I'm your host, Johnny Hill. Hi, I'm Graham Ganzel. Hey, I'm Kareem Jamal. And I'm Ryan Brady. Today, we're discussing some of the ethical implications of current trends in technology. Things like smartphone addiction, privacy and security concerns, and issues of personal conscience. Let's get started. So I think it'd be helpful to start off just with a practical definition of what we're talking about, because technical ethics is a little vague. Uh, A definition that I like is uh, technical ethics is the application of ethical thinking to the practical concerns of technology. Obviously still a little vague, but it it covers a lot of ground in general, the thought that uh, anything in the realm of technology, whether that's projects that I, as someone in this industry, am being asked to work on, or things like cell phone addiction, or e-waste, or privacy, or security, uh, all have these implications of of ethical thinking that need to be applied. Uh, It's a broad topic. I mean, where do we want to start? Well, let me start by digging in a little bit on what I just mentioned before we started recording, which is there are a variety of trades where it's necessary to maintain a certain ethical training and standard in your work because the work has implications over people's lives. And the same is true of certain technology and software, especially a lot of the projects that we work on at Xperia. And I think it's interesting to dictate or mandate the use of ethical thinking and use of ethical practices in building these systems whether or not there's some regulatory authority doing that or not, or, you know, the regulatory authority could be yourself or it could be your boss or it could be your company or it could be some sort of governmental institution. So, yeah, I think that's a good point. Like that could be a thing that even like just from a job, like putting on your resume perspective saying, yeah, I, I've put thought into how to go about this kind of work in an ethical manner. I've, taken a course or I've looked into, you know, ways to do that. Well, I like what you said, Graham, about like, not necessarily saying that should be a requirement from like a governmental level, but even just from like a company level or a personal level, like as an onboarding activity saying, Hey, if you're going to come work for us, we want you to, to be well-prepared for the kinds of problems you're going to encounter here. It's an interesting thought. I think the closest we have is that sometimes after, uh, like when a product is deployed, there might be audits on making sure that data doesn't stay in an S3 bucket forever and that things mm. are protected a certain way, but there's no sort of audit or ethical requirement of the people who build it. Right, yeah. I mean, we, we see that very commonly today where in, in situations where software companies are trying to have some effect on the amount of misinformation that the platforms spread. The same is true of lots of different types of systems. And, and ones we work on here at Xperia, things like hydroelectric control, right? So it isn't ethical to flood a downstream town. And although it might generate more money because you're pushing a bunch of more power out of the generators, that it's something that is just implicit in our code of conduct here, but may in fact benefit from some um, formalization and indeed some type of audit of people's work, right? 
the reason that they have professional licenses in the first place is so that they is so that customers of those services can have at least some reasonable guarantee that the work is certified as professional and part of that certification is, is indeed ethical in many cases. And it's a difficult challenge too, right? Because the need for implementing all of this stuff is uh, far greater uh, than our capacity to mandate and regulate uh, these trainings, right? Companies will want stuff much quicker and they're not ready to wait uh, on each person going through this uh, you know, training. And then there's also the question about who are the people that are allowed to give these trainings and are certified, right? So there's that whole issue there because technical ethics in general or ethics as you know, HBO Silicon Valley called it, <laughs> um, is growing uh, both in the real world and the virtual world right now, right? Because software, as it takes over more and more of our lives, uh, there are ethical questions at each sort of gate of that, right? And as we move into the, the metaverse, all those physical boundaries that sort of had good stage gates for ethics are sort of now just virtual, right? They, they don't really exist. And so anything really goes. And as everyone's diving headfirst into these virtual worlds, they're making up their rules as they go which may or may not be right, but uh, they're charging forward in the, some in the name of profit and some are actually taking a better stance and saying, okay, what's the right thing to do? Right, I think that's an interesting point that there's, you know, this is not necessarily a new thing, but it's a constantly growing field because technology is constantly growing and growing rapidly. Like you were saying, if we were recording this six months ago, we wouldn't be talking about a, the ethics of a metaverse that came up recently. So that's on the, that's on the table now for conversation. And, and six months from now, there's going to be new things that have ethical implications that need to be considered. So I think it's worth mentioning that like, this is a, this is a new and kind of rapidly growing area that needs people to be thinking about these things. And it, it needs thought, it needs consideration, it needs solutions because there's, there's a lot more here to be solved and there are people trying to solve it currently. What's the goal of operationalizing ethical systems? Is it to preserve human rights? It seems like the end game of doing anything, building up ethical systems is more expensive than mm -hmm. not, not caring about that at all, right? And so does that premium, does that ethical premium necessarily drive towards human rights? If the answer is yes, that, you know, that premium is, is well worth its investment. Yeah, there's definitely short-term gains to be made from unethical practices in any business, um, but arguably the long-term consequences of those practices are never worth it. And I think that's part of the goal of technical ethics is kind of to raise awareness of and expose like, hey, there's there may be short-term benefits here, but it's not worth the long-term cost. And if- Maybe, it depends on the, it depends on the business if you're in. I mean- Privacy is is a human right. It's unethical, in my view, to steal private information from individuals who who have disclosed that you, they don't want that to happen to them. And uh, that, as we've seen over the last ten years, is becoming more and more valuable. You know, to be fair, like we've mentioned metaverse a few times, and we I might bring that up as in I don't 
think I could point to any single thing that like a developer did that's unethical. Maybe there's stuff we don't know about. I think the larger failing is the lack of foresight and the lack of really thinking about what it means to create another world and how to handle certain situations. But in the development of it, I'm not sure they did anything ethically wrong, at least not what they're getting in trouble for right now. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, it's like the question of like, is it the individual pieces have nothing ethically wrong, but the end goal application may have concerns. So where do you raise the flag kind of a question? Yes. Yeah. This is a question about product management as well. Mm-hmm. It's not just development resources that have to have some ethical code of conduct. I think to, to your point, Ryan, if the product managers of the metaverse or the ad information stealing agency, Acme Inc. or whatever, had some ethical incentive in mind, that would, would you say that would solve the problem? Not necessarily, you know, so maybe the one issue I'm focusing on is that there's no protections against harassment and metaverse is like the, at least that's the one I've focused on recently, there might be other stories out there. And I'm not sure where that would be picked up, right? At a certain degree, there's the mm-hmm. unknown unknowns, like maybe someone would have known that, but maybe it's, uh, it's hard to plan for some things. Yeah, there's a difference between intentionally operating in an unethical manner as like as a business or creating an unethically aimed product and unanticipated unethical use of your product. Like facilitating, enabling that unethical behavior. Right, right. Whether intended or not, like that's a very different thing to have to plan for or anticipate or after discovered fix. Sometimes it depends on what you do with it once you find out, right? So Mm -hmm. um, uh, to give a a contrast, like Uber, right, did deceive in its early stages because its highest sort of quality attribute at that time was survivability and make profit, right? And so they developed uh, or parts uh, of the company developed like Grayball and things like that, right, that were later figured out. And so even though most of the company was acting in good faith and just doing what they were supposed to, there were some that were, you know, maybe not quite as ethical. Um, And, you know, maybe they should have brought it up. But in other cases, sometimes it's uh, just, as you said, right, you're playing your part and your visibility is enough to where at least from what you see, it's all ethical. But once you start putting the bigger pieces together, that's where, you know, something deceiving may start to form uh, unbeknownst to you, right? So Microsoft made an AI bot and unleashed it on Twitter, right? And pretty much overnight, that bot turned into a negative, depressed, racist uh, bot, right? Just based on what, what's out there, uh, right? And so their intentions were good to collect actual data, but the, the end result was uh, that it turned into something negative and, you know, pretty much unethical at that point in that case, if they were to let it just sit out there and uh, be become more and more racist. And so they promptly took it down. Yeah, that's interesting. That's like the same issue, facilitation or enablement of unethical behavior. In that case, they were enabling a behavior of, a, of an agent that they created, right? 
And in Ryan's example, it's not uh, an agent that the the product implementers created, it's users of the system. But the detection mm -hmm. of those behaviors is can be common. You can, you can you can use common tools maybe to detect those unethical behaviors between those two scenarios. I, I mean, I know you know we're working on these types of systems for aesthetic characterization. And I might furthermore say that perhaps working in your little silo and your ethical box without paying attention to what your component is ultimately contributed to in a bigger picture may be a uh, lack of ethical. I'm curious too, is, is there a distinct difference between enabling unethical behavior and failing to curb unethical behavior? I guess it, it makes me think like there, there are people who enjoy breaking things and hacking things and finding ways around security measures and, and things like that. Like there's always going to be some sense of, oh, there's a block in my way. I want to, I want to find a way around that. Like there, there are groups of people that enjoy that some for legitimate reasons, some for illegitimate reasons, but is there a distinction there that needs to be made between we're creating a platform that enables unhealthy behavior and we've created a platform that we've done our best to block unethical behavior, but people are still getting around it. And like, where do you draw the line between this is people misusing our platform and this is people using it in a way that like we didn't anticipate it or I don't know. I'm, I'm curious what you'll think. Yeah, it goes back to the corrective action at the end of the day. I mean, either of those situations is, is not ideal. Um, but once you've, once you've identified the behavior, what, what measure you take to correct those actions, that's the key. Yeah, coming back to Graham's earlier point, you know, if you want to be completely ethical, it is expensive, right? And so sometimes the corrective action really is that uh, you monitor it closely. And if it does get to that stage, then you make the call to pull it, right? Or take it down or whatever. And that's sort of your ethical principles versus trying to spend a lot of time and money and you know thought up front to make sure, oh, this can in no circumstances become an unethical situation. Sometimes that's just not justifiable or you know financially allowed uh, at early stages. Or even feasible given like if it's a new product, you could spin your wheels forever trying to find all the ways that it could be used unethically. And in some ways, you know, you do your best and then from there you kind of can triage as things roll out and prioritize what needs to be fixed. Just like in normal software development, like, oh, these bugs were found after we, you know, deployed. Okay, this one's obviously more important than these other ones. We'll start with that. And I think that's that's sort of how most companies operate because that's the most financially sustainable, right? And the, the ethical question really comes up there is, what do I do? Am I enabled to uh, raise my voice or take that corrective action once we detect this? Or am I being sort of forced to stay quiet? Uh, because otherwise it's gonna look bad on our uh, expense reports and you know uh, things that come out, which is gonna make our stock price drop or stuff like right. that. Is that the difference between negligence and gross negligence? Whether you have, <laughs> whether you have uh, intentional um, uh, planned unethical operations ahead of time or the lack of means to correct an unintentional uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. I, I'm, I'm interested to know how this fits into, into gray areas, 
where working with, uh, let's say, potentially sensitive information, if we are conducting operations to tease out, well, let's just take some concrete examples. Like, for instance, if we're trying to find uh, fraudulent user groups within some type of overall transaction network, there are circumstances where we find um, not fraudsters, but bad customer groups, like people that are not hacking the system, but are making use of those transactions in a way that was unintended, but is totally legal and discouraging that behavior, right? Compared to actually taking out the, the fraudulent users from the system. I'm interested to know where in that sort of negligence versus gross negligence spectrum, that type of system fits. Well, there's even the, like there's an element there where just like from a business perspective, say you're a bank and you find those kinds of people, like there's obviously a, like an incentive to discourage that kind of behavior that may or may not be strictly illegal, but isn't, you know, how things were designed or intended to be used. So like, yeah, that's, that's another element there. Like they're kind of getting back to the, the note that unethical behavior can be financially more viable, but also like choosing what to correct. Are you prioritizing that kind of more edge case? Like, oh, it's not technically illegal, but it's, you know, not great for business. Are you prioritizing that above clearly unethical behavior that you could curb that maybe is not as bad for business, but is more severe from an ethical perspective? I will say that it's a dangerous thing making ethical or allowing things to go for business reasons, I think, because sometimes people might make a bad assumption that, you know, we might let this thing slide because we need to cover our bottom line and we need to survive. And if we don't survive, then none of it matters. But really the assumption you're making about a feature you want to cut or enable could actually be hurting your bottom line. Like, and I'm just not just talking about bad publicity. I mean, in real user experience, taking a shortcut for perceived business value might be the wrong choice for business value. Don't really, you can't necessarily trust your business instinct on every issue, but if you know the ethics of it, that's something uh, more concrete. It's not an act on an absolute scale, right? It's all relative. So for, for one industry or one purpose, it may be okay to let something slide, where, whereas in others, it might not, right? So if it's hurting your bottom line profitability, that's one thing. If, it's, if your job is to catch the bad guys, uh, right? The really bad guys, then you know that's another thing. And maybe there's a lot more gray area there. Right. And so we all talk about privacy and tracking and stuff. And hey, there's lots of ethics involved there because now you're sort of keeping track of people and spying on them without their permission for the lack of the, the greater safety um, of the public. And so a lot of times you're like, okay, you're tracking the bad guys. Okay, it's okay to collect information on them. Right. We'd sort of let that slide. But what about indirect targets? If you're tracking someone and I'm being manipulated or deceived by that person, right? Uh, they're, they're making use of me as a pawn. Is it okay to collect that sort of information on me? Even though I'm not mm -hmm. the bad guy, right? I'm just, I'm, I'm sort of a victim here. Uh, but now you're collecting information on me that I might not be okay with to get to your end goal. Is that ethical? Are you allowed to let them know? 
<laughs> hey man, I know you don't want us tracking your data, but you know, if you could help us out, we know you're a victim too. Yeah, but no, the, it's it's but that's, nasty, man. That's sort of like that. Um, I'm forgetting the name, but like when you know you're being monitored, your behavior changes, right? And just letting them know, hey, we're tracking you to get to this person. Now your behavior is going to change ever so slightly that the bad guys who are very sharp in detecting these type of things will, you know, find out. So, so you've lost your line there at that point and your, the trail has gone cold. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fair to say like, these are hard questions for a reason. There often are not easy answers to a lot of these questions, which is why we're talking about it, obviously. But yeah, that kind of situation, like, I just don't know. Mm -hmm. And and it goes across the spectrum, right? It's not just, Hey, the bad guys, that's the serious things, Mm -hmm. but you know, let's go to the, the, I guess the funner side of things. Let's talk about iPhone bubbles, right? Uh, those red bubbles on your iPhone were created <laughs> for addiction, right? They were, the purpose was to keep you looking at your phone so that as soon as something comes in, you go and you click it and maximize your time on your iPhone uh, or in any phone in general uh, and smartphone and, you know, in those apps. So you're getting more and more addicted over time to those which is why over time they've had to, you know, give you options to sort of curve that and say, okay, you can turn off these bubbles now. But at that point, a lot of the addiction had already happened, right? Mm-hmm. How did, who recommends that those bubbles should be taken away to inside of a company or inside of some government organization that's detecting bad guys? I mean, we, we hear in the news about large companies having ethics review panels and these types of things. But at the end of the day, a lot of the technology we consume is not, created by large companies even have the budget to be able to have something like an ethical review audit or something like that. I, I wonder if there's a proceed, like a process-based implementation of this uh, ethics review committee or something like that, that meets once a quarter to review features in a product roadmap internally or externally. I don't know. I feel like a lot of times the solution to those kinds of questions, like for the notification thing is it's pushed off onto the operating system. It's like, oh, well, yeah, they in, in the iPhone settings, you could disable that. So, you know, there's not a whole ton of thought often put into that because it's like, oh, well, that's not our primary responsibility. You know, we'll make the notifications however we want. And if they want to turn it off, they can. So yeah. it's like, yeah, there, there can be kind of a responsibility, you know, pushing off to other people in that situation too. So sometimes it's proactive where, you know, these, whether in the company or these external review boards meet and, uh, you know, decide, hey, here's what we should do or here's what we should recommend. Though oftentimes it's reactive, right? So someone sees someone that's addicted and they notice it's a problem and it's really lawsuits, right? They're going to sue these companies because, hey, this is not right or you're doing something intentionally or unintentionally, but this is what's happening. And so those lawsuits then prompt that action to where then they add a setting to the OS where you can disable those bubbles. There's the ROI and your ethical premiums, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's sad. It's awful, but, but, but that, that's it. Yeah. I mean, how many years did it take for Apple to let users opt out of data being tracked? Like 13? Mm-hmm. That just got like introduced, that. right? Yeah. 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 Like, and the iPhone came out in what, like 2007, something like that. So yeah, some of this stuff is slow and, and there's a part of me that wonders how much of that is like you're saying reactionary versus like a, you know, response to getting caught or public outcry or, or response to, you know, growing concerns around addiction. Like there's, there's a whole spectrum of like ways these kinds of things come to light and how to handle them. 
Yeah. And in this case, they were finally doing something to give you a little more control over your data, but there was an outcry from all the other companies that depended on that data, mm -hmm. right? Because they were going to lose revenue. And so balancing that and having enough backing financially uh, for yourself to be able to follow through with that decision. A smaller company would have had to cave in uh, and, you know, remove that setting. Yeah. And there, there, it isn't always a spectrum of, it, you know, gray areas, like there is sometimes a binary, this is right, or this is wrong. And there are very complicated implications either way, which just makes it even more difficult to navigate. It's interesting because we talked a little bit about the gray area and how like sometimes it's even down to a personal conscience thing where there may not be something that is explicitly like a wrong industry to work in or a wrong client to work for. Uh, but I know there have been situations in the past where at least here at Xperia, we, we voice like, hey, this we, un we understand there may be reasons for you personally being uncomfortable working with a specific client, say like, you know, a government institution of some kind that you just don't like how they operate or things like that. I feel like there's something to be said for like on the other side, as an employee in the tech industry, having those opportunities to raise my hand and say, hey, I, I'd rather not work on this just because it makes me uncomfortable how they go about their privacy settings or whatever, things like that. I, I don't know how common that is, but I know that's something that I've encountered working here that's been uh, encouraging just to know that's an option. Yeah, I mean, maybe back to the, the review committee or whatever it looks like is to take an employee survey as well as related to maybe particular features or maybe products as a whole. Again, that's expensive because you don't necessarily have the staff to move people around to work on things they feel comfortable working on or whatever. It seems like that human and technology, both of those axes are important in determining where unethical practices lie and what, what companies can do about them. So I'm curious from kind of extending that question of the projects that y'all have worked on, like where have y'all come up against this or encountered this, or even just had to think about uh, these kinds of questions? Cause it's, it's a broad topic and I know it comes up in a lot of different ways. A lot of it's tied to your personality and your beliefs, right? We do all sorts of work, you know, we're a services company, so we're in all sorts of industries, right? Um, government being one of them. And, you know, there's, there's no argument whether, you know, the government's right or wrong or anything, right? But some people are just anti-government for their own reasons, right? For them, they don't want to work on that because they have their uh, beliefs tied to that, that, hey, they're doing unethical stuff there. And so I'd rather not, right? So some of it just falls down to your personal preference and experiences. And there's no sort of right or wrong there. And it's sort of a sliding scale. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there are, there are certainly cases therein where, it, whether it's a concern about government itself or the practices that government is conducting, if we focus in on a particular use case, um, you mentioned earlier, Kareem, sort of detection of anomalous behaviors or, or threats to XYZ nation state, you know, the implementation of those systems, as you mentioned, can have collateral damage in terms of privacy and in terms of investigatory effects on, on others. I don't, I don't know all the specifics of the systems, but um, that's a big one. That's a big one for us, right? We do a lot of work to help uh, protect our country. And, and indeed, sometimes uh, we have to ask ourselves whether or not that those things are, are being conducted ethically and the systems we're setting up are indeed ethical ones. 
I might have a story I could share. And Johnny, you could cut this out later. It doesn't work out. But there was a <laughs> dashboard I was working on that um, the product owners wanted to show a particular metric with numbers computed a different way, which I did bring up an ethical concern on because it was a funny way to do the calculation. And the reason they liked it is because it made particular numbers bigger, but it was actually very misleading. <laughs> Mm. And I ended up raising the concern and bringing up to them that it's not really the appropriate way to do this calculation and they should, for these reasons, and they should consider uh, rechanging that. I actually won that fight. Hey. It wasn't much of a fight, but that, that is something that I've encountered in my role here. I very easily could have just passed that calculation on. Well, and I think that's that's one note. Like you said, that that was something that you raised, and it was understood as a as an ethical concern and accepted as oh, we we should approach this differently. And there's a part of me that wonders how often that is the case. Like it it may often just be, hey, what if we did it this way? And then until someone raises their hand and says like, hey, I don't actually know if that's right. Like oftentimes it's a blind spot, or it's just something that people didn't think about. So like there is a need for if you see something, say something kind of kind of a deal like sometimes it's just something that you know someone missed and didn't think about yeah some, exactly sometimes it's just ignorance right uh clients come to us because they feel we're the experts in uh you know certain things you know they they propose uh problems and possible ways to solve them that doesn't mean you have to take that sort of to heart right away and say okay this is set in stone now but rather uh you know give it some thought and make recommendations right they might say, hey, let's design an AI uh, uh, model for loans uh, and things like that, right? And here are the input parameters we have to work with, uh, one of them being zip code, right? Well, hey, you know what? Zip code is an indirect uh, tie to race, right? So maybe we shouldn't use zip code, right? Mm -hmm. And they may not know that, but it's, it's our job to at least bring it up uh, to address those types of concerns because we don't want to create a, a model that now is factoring against race. Yeah, and even just from the user experience perspective, there, there's a whole aspect of advocating for the user that can kind of tie back to, to these kinds of ethical questions. So things like addiction or even just like pestering the user, trying to you know unnecessarily grab their attention in a way that's unhelpful uh, or, or potentially harmful. Like there, there are UX aspects of, of this that can kind of tie back into the ethical questions that you have. I was going to say, so, sometimes it's a recommending something that's at least a notch above the path of least resistance, right? So a lot of the sites uh, give you a checkbox, are you over 13? So they can collect data because they're not allowed to if you're, you're a kid under 13, right? Mm -hmm. But how hard is it to really check that box if you're under 13, right? Uh, and maybe the company knows it, maybe they don't. But like, if, if they know that it's easy to circumvent it, should they add another step to really verify? Because anyone can click that checkbox. Heck, my daughter that's almost two years old can click uh, a checkbox or click the skip ads button on YouTube, right? Uh, and so it's easy to get by. And if you know that, you know, when you're going in and you're still letting it slide because you want to collect all that data, even if it's for, you know, under 13, just so you can make a profit, then yes that there's an issue there. But you know, it also depends on the regulations and what type of data you're collecting. So again, lots of gray areas, but yeah. you know, what, what's that 
one extra thing you can do to maybe, you know, get you into the, the green zone instead of the gray zone. Yeah. Like in that case, it can be enabling parents to set limits, the parental controls for their, for their kids. Like it can mm-hmm. be something, it doesn't have to necessarily be a huge brand new feature. It can be something like a well-established pattern too. Mm-hmm. So a follow-up question from that, that might be a little unrelated is, is there an ethical way to go about raising these kinds of concerns? Not specifically raising a concern about maybe what you're working on, but the way you go about raising that concern itself. Yeah, is it is resigning from your post the correct option? Is uh, posting to the New York Times? <laughs> what are the correct responses and level of escalation for handling an issue ethically? I think it's a multi-step process. Yeah. Like I think you raise it internally with your manager, with the people you're directly working with. And from there, you know, treating it as a conversation instead of a uh, interrogation or whatever. And and then from there you can kind of continue escalating as needed. Um, But yeah, that's a good question. Like, I don't know when, when is it appropriate or not appropriate? Cause say you have a bunch of sensitive data that, Oh, well, these people are collecting all this data. Look, and I'll give it to, the New York times to kind of share. Like I, yeah, I don't know. Like that, that's a whole other level of like complicated factors. Yeah. When should you raise it internally? I'd say always, at least internally, your first step shouldn't be that you blast it online and, you know, give people your information. So your name could be on the a news article that's, you know, going viral. Uh, always try to raise it internally, but then that has sort of the prereq that your um, culture of the workplace has given you sort of that psychological safety to bring it up. Now, if, if it's been a very oppressive environment where you feel you bring up anything, you'll be terminated or, you know, you'll face consequences you're more likely to not speak up and just sort of leak it to external resources, right? Which also is another gray area in ethics, right? Because now you are not being loyal to the company and just leaking without actually giving them a chance to, you know, counter and, uh, you know, give their reasons. An ethical ultimatum. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) It may not be that clear to be able to demonstrate that there is unethical behavior being conducted, but what's the appropriate response in the situation where you would have to disclose um, private information to be able to demonstrate that unethical behavior that, that becomes even hairier, right? There's a great article, uh, Dilbert comment just very recently about this where like Dilbert finds out that something's wrong with the numbers or something which is sort of negates the past, you know, many years of profit they have. Uh, which would make the manager or the department look bad. And so the manager tries to push him off the top of a building or something, right? So <laughs> that, that's, that's a place where you'd be scared to bring up issues, uh, you know. Uh, There's definitely a social problem here. Like you need to have some people you trust in order to bring up an issue because it's very hard to do on your own. So if yeah. you don't trust your coworkers... We're hiring. <laughs> Well, yeah, I I think this is all like obviously a far bigger topic than we can really dig into. And there are a lot deeper questions that come from the questions we're asking. And it just kind of goes and goes and goes and goes. But I think this was a really good, at least for me, introduction into the kinds of questions 
that are worth asking when it comes to ethics and the kinds of things to consider and how oftentimes it's just raising a concern could help people to realize something that they didn't at first think would be an issue. Uh, and sometimes it really is just like, like Kareem was saying, a case of ignorance or, or just unawareness that something may or may not be the best way to approach or represent something. What we'll leave you with is that ethics is hard, right? It's still in its infancy as we come across these new realms that we're dealing with, both in the physical and virtual worlds. But we bring this up so that you're aware and uh, the fact that it's hard shouldn't stop you from bringing it up and raising questions about it. Uh, so don't stay silent and uh, you know think through the consequences of what you're working on in your actions. Thanks for connecting with us today. If you have a complex software problem that needs solving, thoughts on what we discussed today, or ideas on what topics we should tackle next, feel free to reach out to us at podcast at experoinc.com or on Twitter at experoinc. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks again for joining us, and we look forward to connecting with you next time. Thank you.